there. Welcome to Louisiana Farm Life, a podcast where farmers tell their story, who they are, what they grow, why they do what they do, and even what they enjoy doing when they're able to get away from the farm. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers, and I grew up on a farm in Northeast Louisiana. Throughout the podcast, you may hear an extra voice enter the conversation. That voice is from one of our interns, Miss Lacey Dotson. She's a student at LSU right now, but she too was raised on a farm. Her family farms in Halton, Louisiana. Working at Louisiana Farm Bureau, my coworkers and I get to travel the state telling stories for farmers on our TV show this week in Louisiana agriculture. What we found is that there are a lot of interesting aspects that don't make it into the finished story you see on the show. This podcast is our way to more fully tell that story. Our hope is that you better understand the issues farmers face every single day and that he or she isn't that much different from you and I. We want this podcast to introduce you to the person that's not only that farmer, but the parent, the spouse, the conservationist, the volunteer fireman, the mechanic, the church deacon, the community leader who spends their days working the land, growing the food and fiber that we depend on every day. On each episode, I'll have a conversation with a farmer to discuss life on and around his or her farm. I love to chat with farmers about their farm and how they got to where they are today. It's just a lot of fun for me, and I hope you enjoy it as well. If you do, please leave us a review wherever you're listening right now and share it with a friend. You can also subscribe to hear the latest episode as soon as it comes out. On this week's show, I meet a young farm couple from the small town of Gillum. I mean small town, found in the northwest corner of Louisiana. They raise cattle, own and operate a commercial hay farm, they own a trucking company, and a few more things to keep themselves moving all year round. They're first-generation farmers that are finding pretty creative ways to make a living and raise a family on the farm. I thoroughly enjoyed this interview, and I hope you enjoy getting to know this young farm couple, Adam and Megan Cahern, on Louisiana Farm Life. So I'm here with Adam and Megan Cahern. They're from Caddo Parish. Caddo Caddo Parish. Parish. Tell me about yourselves. Where do y'all, what do y'all do? What do y'all farm? Let's start with you, Adam. We farm in a little town called Gillen, Louisiana, which is just north of Shreveport. We have a commercial hay farm. We produce around thirty to 40,000 small square bales a year. I'm a commercial applicator as well. We do around twenty to 25,000 acres of spraying a year. What's that mean, commercial applicator? I'm like the, the ground version of a crop duster. Gotcha. Um, so we, we can put out the, the chemicals and the fertilizers that the crops need in order to survive. So commercial applicator, crop uh, <laughs> ground version of a crop duster, spray, you spray, right. you have commercial hay. Yes, we have cattle, and we do some trucking as well. We, we truck cotton up there for the local cotton gin. We truck the round modules. Uh, it's a little more efficient than using the traditional module trucks that they've used in the past. Yeah, that's a lot to keep straight, Megan. How do you how do, how do you how do you play into all that that um, craziness? Well, keeping him in line is my biggest job, besides being a mama. Um, but like I said, off uh, during the week, I work off farm, and so Monday through Friday, eight to five, I'm in the office. But as soon as I leave there, I'm jumping into chasing him around wherever he has me going, picking up parts, going check cows, taking care of the chickens there at the house, taking care of the baby. That's really factored into it majorly now and just whatever he needs me to do really a gopher yeah. so to speak uh, an important gopher we always talk on the show uh, on twyla about the importance of the wife and the you know the farm can't run without you know some support back home and um i mean i was raised i was raised on a farm and my mom 
was a stay-at-home mom, but she had a tougher job than dad most times with four kids. So I, I, I appreciate that side of the uh, the farm the farm home a lot. Um, we were talking the other day about how much you know you use your app and to keep up with use an app to keep up with all your cattle y'all pretty pretty meticulous little system tell me about that it's pretty nice um it's something that i've more recently started using before that i was just really kind of using an excel spreadsheet at the house to keep notes on everything i'd write it all down in the notebook when we were out actually working the cows and then i'd come home and transfer it onto my spreadsheet but here in recent months, I found an app on my phone called Livestocked. I searched through several different apps, did a little bit of research to try to get the one that would best fit our operation. And it's really a handy tool because when I, even when I'm at the office and he's out checking cows that morning, he can send me some information through text, send me a picture. I can keep the picture uploaded. I can store the information in my phone right there at my office desk, or I can update it while I'm actually out there helping work the cows. It keeps track of um, cows and calves. It keeps track of their birth dates, when we wormed them, when we did a pregnancy check, all kinds of things. You know, you store it right there in your phone, and it's just as easy as pulling out of your pocket. That's nice. Um, I'm going to shift gears real quick. Gillum, Louisiana is a very, very small town, right? More cows than people, probably. More cows than people. I would definitely think that's true. Um, where do y'all – is there a local restaurant there that you guys go to and hit up? I know, I mean, when I was there, you cooked me a burger in your kitchen, which I appreciate, but – What's the local restaurant? What's the hot the hot spot there in there, town? There's two of them. Uh, there, there's the one that's in Gillum, which is the Main Street restaurant, and then there is the smaller one, which is the one that I usually go to, which is the D&I Grocery there in Belcher. they got a bunch of little plate lunches and stuff. So that's where we usually try to go in between uh, between getting different things done around the farm. Yeah, uh, moving from field to field, yes. you stop at that. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about them, you know, you can you can call ahead and and they'll usually have it ready for you. And most of the time, we'll just send buddy send somebody up there to pick up some food for us and deliver it on a cotton picker, or a tractor, or a sprayer, nice. wherever we need it. Yeah, I, I remember we had, where my dad's farm is. We had the Fort Store. It's the Fort Store, right? <laughs> it probably has another name, but that's what we knew it as. So right. I didn't know if y'all had a cool place well, like that. Well, the thing about a- the Main Street restaurant is that's where you go if you've got a lot of time. If you've got somebody you're wanting to sit down, spend an hour and a half with them, then that's the place you want to go. But if you want to try to get in and out quickly, and the the, the highlight of the the store that DNI store that Belcher is, they have what I like to dub the community table. Because all it is is one table from one end of the building to the other, and all the farmers sit down at this one table to solve all the world's problems. That sounds like every other farm farmer's uh, coffee spot or lunch spot they've ever been to. Pretty much. It's nice. Um, so I, I just like that because it's foodie, and I like food. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like, hey, y'all, whenever I came up, y'all gave me some of that, um, that longhorn beef. Yes. I cooked it Friday night and some more burgers. Oh my gosh! It was good, wasn't it? So good. And that summer sausage didn't last, but like four seconds with some of my friends, we took through it, <laughs> it so usually, fast. It usually doesn't last very long. Golly, it lasts about that long with just him. So I, was, <laughs> I can imagine with friends. I was really thankful that I had four or five guys to help me eat it because I would have eaten it the whole thing by myself. It was so good. And that was all made with Longhorn beef that you raised, right? Yes, it was. You don't want to eat that whole summer sausage by itself at one time. I mean, things got jalapenos in it. Yeah. It was uh, fantastic. The guys they they were they were kind of fighting over the last few pieces. Um, all right, so you have a lot of different stuff in, in the farm world. You have a lot of different things to bat, to juggle: cattle, spraying, hay, 
and cotton picking and trucking and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot to do. What would you say your main y'all's main uh, like bread and butter would be? The main bread and butter has always been the hay operation. That's how I got started back in 2008, and we've always that's always been kind of the, the focal point of everything. And so we we've always tried to improve upon that the most. And so here a while back we we were getting pretty overloaded with everything else with our trucking with our spraying and all that stuff. So we began looking for different ways to improve upon that process and so we kind of met that need by looking into buying a round bell processor so we were able to purchase a machine that that took the round bells that we could produce in the field and we could bring them back in a central location we could convert them back into the square bells that we're known for yeah so what's the benefit of of round bells coming out of the field the benefit of round bales coming out of the field versus square bales, whenever we were baling square bales in the field, we would try to shoot to do about 15 to 20 acres per day, which is the equivalent of around 2,000 to 2,500 square bales per day. Now, the, the benefit of the round bales is that you can get them up in a very quick manner. If you're fighting uh, inclement weather, you're trying to outrun a storm, or if you're just trying to get across some, some acres to catch up if you're behind, Instead of being able to do 15 to 20 acres a day, now we can do 50 to 60 acres a day, which is the equivalent of seven to 8,000 square bales per day. And then we can bring this back in during our slower times of the year when there's not as much going on, and we can convert that hay back into the square bales at, at the times that we need it. And so we're not as stressed out during the summer. It gives the people that work for us um, a little bit of stuff to do throughout the winter, uh, which would other be, otherwise be a slow time. And it improves our quality and our consistency as well. I mean, because now um, that hay hasn't been exposed to sunlight for the last five or six months. If it's been sitting in a barn all summer and you take it out in January, if it's, if it's in a square bale, it's, it's going to be tanned on one edge. It's going to be brown. Whereas with the round bells, whenever you unroll them and convert them back into square bells, they look just as green as the day they came off the field. Gotcha. That's cool. Uh, what's your? I know you told me the other day that you help with the the hay process as well. I mean, I know you keep up with the cattle on your app, but you help with the hay as well. What's your favorite job to do when you're baling hay? My favorite job to do is probably probably working with the conversion system um loading the staging platform is the part that i take in that um where i just basically unload the round bell off of the trailer put it onto the staging platform take the net wrap off so that it can go through the process mm-hmm. it's just kind of a you know a cush job if you want to say that um it's not something you just kind of have to keep an eye on it make sure you're keeping up with pace but mm-hmm. between that you can kind of sit back and relax just a little bit while that's going on plus now you know we're under roof and so, you know, if it does start to rain or something, I'm not out there in an open station cab getting rained on mm-hmm. and my hair getting all crazy and the humidity. And Can't have that. So, you know, I mean, I've also done some stuff out in the field, um, raked, tethered, you know, tried to keep up as far as helping load, um, pulled the wagon through the field so that they could load, mm-hmm. th- things like that. But probably loading the staging platform is what I like doing. Got you. So you've been doing this, the hay, I think, right, for about 10 years? Yeah, we started the the Precision Baling Company back in 2008. Um, okay. I grew up doing hay uh, as a custom baler, you know, through throughout my childhood and into my teenage and college years. But, uh, yeah, the hay's been with us for a while now. All right, so you've been doing this a long time. What's something that you wish you'd learned earlier throughout this? I wish I'd been a better money manager. <laughs> I think we all say that as we get older. Um, yeah. 
And, um, you know, I wish I would have been a little more diversified in the earlier years. We put all of our eggs in one basket, and we, we were doing a lot of hay at one time. At one, it, at one point in time, we were doing around 50,000 small square bales a year. We were staying extremely busy. And it, whenever, whenever the time come that we actually lost a lease, a very important lease to us, that hit us kind of hard because that we we had all of our bread and butter in one basket there. And so whenever we lost that, it kind of kind of turned us on top of our heads for a little while. Mm-hmm. So you know now we're we're seeing the advantages to being just a slightly more diversified. Doesn't mean we get away from our core our core values or anything or our core operation, but you do want to have a little more. Diversity in your operation. Yeah. Anything to add to that? Anything that you wish uh, y'all would do? Y'all would have done different or done better early on, or things that you've learned since y'all began that you're seeing now? I think diversity really is key. It's it's good to kind of spread the risk, so to speak. But you know, it's also nice to just kind of have your hand in different activities to keep you going. Um, when one when one's kind of slow, the other one's up, you know, that kind of thing. And it's really been a blessing in disguise, to be honest. At first, we were kind of like, you know, oh, here we go, you know, kind of, like he said, turn the world upside down there for a minute. But it really was, it was a blessing for us. Mm-hmm. What about, so looking forward now, looking ahead, Matt, you mentioned we have, we have a little baby, Caleb. Yes. That's going to take up a lot of time. Um, but What's kind of next for the farm? Or what's kind of on your minds now? What's your focus lately? How's that shifting? Well, you know, we want to keep growing on the things that we've been working on. We want to try to be a little bit more efficient in our operation. I know that we, we at some point in time, we do plan on expanding our family. Um, but we want to expand our farm operation as well. And so balancing all that is kind of tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. But So we're going to try to become a little bit more efficient with what ground we do have. We, we may look into adding some irrigation, some updating some things with that. Um, just trying to maybe grow into some other areas as well. And um, it, it's just all about trying to put this big puzzle together. Yeah. Land, we talked about that the other day, being tough to find. And being a young farmer, that's something that, um, that we see a lot of young farmers fight right. and growing up on, you know, a larger farm, it was large, but it wasn't large enough for me to go back to the farm. There wasn't enough land to really support that. So I, I see that myself. Um, so how is that playing into the, the, the future for you guys? Well, it is difficult to get land and try to expand, you know, the, uh, the number of farmers in this country is shrinking, whereas the size of the individual farms are increasing. So as a newcomer, as a first-generation farmer, you're competing with very large operations that can snatch up just about any ground they want in some point, you know, in some instances. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really a challenge. So you, you've got to really know how to network in your community, and you need to know how to put forth a good example. Whenever you do work for somebody or whenever you go on to somebody's place, make sure you do a good job. Make sure that you're doing some work that you can be proud of, something that somebody, you know, one of the things that I always say that that I want people to think about me as a young farmer, I want them to look at me and say, hey, you know, he might not be the most, uh, he, might, he might not have the most money, he might not have the best equipment out there, but his worth ethic is very strong. And we know whenever he comes onto a piece of property, it's going to look just as good, if not better than it did the day he walked on it. Mm-hmm. So, like, kind of building your reputation is yes. your focus right now. Yes, I think that's a, I think that's an honorable thing to be working towards. Um, what about cattle? And 
are y'all planning on adding some to that herd? I know you you sold off some of those longhorn steers. You tell me about to a doctor. We did. The, the longhorns are, are they're pretty difficult to handle. It takes special handling equipment to deal with those large horns. You mean those 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 six foot wide, those six foot wingspans right. they have? You know, That's those, a those, those originally came to be because I was looking for a for some pets for my wife, but I, you know, I really wasn't considering that those pets came with a six or eight foot horn span. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, they were interesting, you know, pets and that's what they were for us for, for most of the time. I mean, Megan could go out there and feed them all by hand and, uh, and she had a great time with them and, and we really enjoyed looking at them and, and they make great yard ornaments. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, we, we had an opportunity. There was a, there was a man, uh, just across the state line that was looking for, uh, some longhorn cattle to put on a piece of his property. And we were at the point where we were going to have to make a decision. Were we going to invest in the equipment to grow that longhorn herd and to be able to take care of them like they needed to be taken care of? Or did we want to shift our our focus back into the commercial cattle? And that's what we ended up doing just because we have so much going on. And with the longhorn cattle, it's a really tight niche market. Not saying we won't go back into it at some point in time, but for right now where we're at with everything, it was just better to, to let them go. You you're a you're an animal person, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> a little bit, just a little. You have chickens. You got the cattle. Any other animals? I didn't. We just have our dogs, our farm dogs. dogs. <laughs> um, what what is it about you know being out there in the the field with the cattle that just you know makes your day? For me, it's kind of relaxing. I know that sounds crazy because they can get crazy sometimes, especially when you're working them. But when you're out there just watching them, you know, do their thing and just be, you know, it's it's kind of cool to just see nature and life work right in front of your eyes. It's something that I'm really going to appreciate more as Caleb gets older. It's something I really want to share with him. I mean, that's just what it is. Farming in itself, everything that you do, it is just life taking action right before your eyes. And you can grow with it and learn so many lessons from it. And that's something I really look forward to sharing with my family. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that, you know, I didn't grow up on a uh, farm with cattle, but I grew up on a farm. And there's a lot of life lessons you can learn. There's a lot to to be learned on growing up on a farm that, um, honestly, I wonder about that sometimes when I read you know, me and my wife are trying to have kids right now. So it's kind of like, what am I, what's it going to be like raising a kid in the middle of Baton Rouge? But because that's what I'm, I miss the idea of like raising my kids on a farm. Um, and y'all have that. So what is, I mean, it's just such a great place to raise a kid. What's some of the life lessons that uh, you're looking forward to teaching? The work ethic. I think that's really important to have. Um, you see a lot of, you know, the younger generation, they've got so many things right there at their fingertips that come with such ease. And real life is not like that. Once you're out of school, there's so many things that you've got to pursue and learn to do on your own. You have to learn to adapt and change and grow. And I think that that's really going to be a beneficial lesson from the farm because things on the farm are not stagnant, to say the least. They are constantly changing. You have to adapt. You have to learn how to just kind of go with the flow and work past the trials and learn from your mistakes and that's what life is all about so I can attest to that Um, growing up on a farm a cattle ranch cutting hay with my dad um, during the summer and showing cows throughout high school and everything um, it really taught me to be a better individual and just have a really good work ethic and I can really appreciate that now Um, in high school you know sometimes I didn't want to get up and go wash the cows or do anything like that or wake up early and go run the fluffer like run the rake or anything whenever we're cutting hay but um Definitely now that I'm in college, I can see that everything 
that he taught me and him and my mom did for me just really benefited me now. Just it helps, you know, most of my college uh, friends and everything. Some of them don't have that upbringing. So you can really see how beneficial um, being raised in a community like that is and having parents that really want that work ethic to drive you. Adam, you were raised, y'all were both raised in that northwest Louisiana, right? Y'all were both raised in small towns, rural Louisiana. Does some of that just come inherently, some of the, those those lessons, or does it have to be on a farm? It doesn't have to be on a farm. I mean, you, you do, I, I believe you have a, a broader knowledge of your surroundings being on a farm. I mean, you, there's always a tight-knit group in any kind of small town. It doesn't matter. You know, as long as you've got a smaller population, you're going to know everybody's business, whether you like it or not. Um, and you're going to be involved, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and um, whereas I think in the, the larger uh, communities and the bigger cities and stuff, you know, you can kind of sit back and just kind of, um, you know, drift back into the crowd a little bit. Yeah. So is it that small town that... Um does that breed, uh, I guess, that involvement, that being involved in the community, is that what breeds that responsibility and those those lessons? You were raised in a small town, Lacey. I was raised in a small town. I mean, I remember I picked up stuff like that. Is that do you think that's part of it, the responsibility that you gain in a smaller town? It could be because in a smaller town, you know, there's less people to take on the jobs that have to be done. And so, you know, you have to take on some responsibility, not saying that someone from a big town can't come in and do those same things. But I think it kind of gives you a different perspective. Mm -hmm. It's definitely uh, like everybody knows everybody atmosphere. And so um, you're kind of responsible for yourself. I think that's something I learned being from a small town as well. I think being on a farm is just kind of an added bonus to the small town town life. You learn a lot of responsibilities that you otherwise wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, you learn that a lot of the animals, they don't wait on your schedule, or the hay doesn't wait on your schedule. Mm -hmm. You have to do these things whenever it's convenient for other people. You have to do it when it's convenient for the weather. Um, you, you're, you're, what you want is not really a factor in a lot yeah. of these things. So it teaches you that you have to be responsible, even though sometimes it's not convenient for you. Mm, that's good. Um, one of the things, also, you, you guys are both very involved in the Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher program. You're also involved in the Ag in the Classroom, where you get to teach, meaning go into classrooms and talk with kids and share some of those things that we're talking about right now. What is that? What's that like for you? That's a really... I guess eye-opening experience for someone who's never been involved with the school system. I've done a little, you know, sub work and stuff like that. But besides going to school myself, you know, I've never been involved on the other side of that, seeing the kids. And um, it's nice to be able to go visit the schools and to take the reading material from Ag Literacy Day or, you know, to be able to share that with our teachers and the workshops that we do. It's a really great program to share the knowledge that we have that they might not get from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. You go in there and you ask questions, where does your food come from? And have you ever been to a farm? And what, you know, what kinds of crops do farmers grow? Just simple questions like that. And their eyes light up when you start talking about these things because it's something so hands-on for them. It's something so honest and new. And you can just really see that they have uh, a passion for learning about these things. And, and where, is, where are you going in those schools at? Is it, it's not in Shreveport, is it? It's in Vivian? We've we've gone into a couple in the Shreveport. Uh, our goal was to start out when I first became chair was to start out in our local community up there in the rural areas, mm -hmm. uh, Vivian, Oil City, 
and mooring sport were some of the places that we visited. But as the years went by, I wanted to kind of move into the inner city schools where I knew Mm -hmm. they were more disconnected from the farm life. And so we've been able to move forward with that. We've visited, I think, two schools so far within the inner city realm. And we, you know, plan to continue to expand on that. So when you were in those old city, mooring sport, rural schools, were they still lighting up the same way that uh, that you expl- explaining? They were, but I think in a different aspect, they were more familiar with it. They all knew a farmer. You ask them how many people know a farmer, how many people have families at farm, and a lot of hands would go up. So mm-hmm. they saw it from the side of they knew what I was talking about and were excited to share their stories with me. As in contrast to the inner city schools, you did have some kids whose grandparents had small gardens or maybe did some farming with some cows, but they weren't directly linked to that. Mm. So they had more questions on how does this work and how do you do that and questions about crops and cattle so it's it's different viewpoints that's cool you know whenever you you know start talking about the kids one of the things that comes to mind you know it can be kind of depressing sometimes as a farmer if you look into social media and television and you see sometimes it seems like the world's out to get a lot of us farmers out there whereas if you go if you look into the eyes of a child we we had an opportunity one time there was a, a, a field trip that came out and we we hosted a uh, a local school there and they brought them out while we were in the middle of cotton harvest and so they they pulled up in the school bus while uh, while i was out there picking cotton and they let them see me operate and then we shut the machine down and we let them look around it and man just the questions and you know just the awe that you could see in their eyes you know and you, and you think to yourself you know the future's pretty bright you know you just got to plant that seed metaphorically speaking and you got to nurture it and help it grow and so if we can do that and we can help these children have a better grasp of where their food comes from where, what agriculture is all about then maybe maybe we could leave some of these problems in the future yeah, that'd be awesome. That's that's the goal. That's what <laughs> that's what we're all working towards, right? We want we want the next generation of farmers to come up, and that's what you guys, as young farmers, are part of. Y'all are first generation farmers, so I appreciate that. It's kind of cool to see. Um, yeah, I see that a lot in this job that I have is I get to see those first generation farmers. So it's cool. Lacey and I don't don't count. <laughs> well, thank y'all for being here today. Um, have a safe trip home back to Shreveport. Y'all going up today? Yes. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Y'all go back down and find Caleb. He's probably still asleep. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you for listening. It's really been fun for me to get to know Adam and Megan better through this podcast and some of the other stories that I've gotten to work on about this young farm couple. You heard us speak about the Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers program. Adam and Megan are very involved, and they are finalists for this year's Achievement Award, one of the highest honors uh, that the state issues to young farmers. The winner of that award will be announced at the 97th Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation's Convention. If you'd like to read the story that Lacey wrote about the couple, be sure to check out the show notes where we'll link you over to that. We'll also put a link in there for the story that was aired on This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, where you can see just how cute their little boy Caleb really is. Again, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave it a five-star review wherever you're listening right now and subscribe. Your feedback means so much to us, and we really, really appreciate it. Also, if you liked what you heard, there's a chance that you have a friend that would also enjoy it, so please share it with them as well. Let us know what you think about the podcast on social media with the hashtag FarmLifePod. That's hashtag farm life pod. 
This podcast was produced by me, Carl Wiggers, with the additional help from Lacey Dodson, Avery Davidson, Neil Melanson, and Carrie Martin for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Graphic design by Monica Velasquez. Also a special thank you to Michael Young. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture.